0: Down in a lonely graveyard, where flowers bloom and fade, there lies my darling sleeping in a cold and silent grave. It's the first stanza of a poem written by Pearl Drew of Ashland, Mississippi. The poem was part of a confession she sent to the governor of Mississippi in 1929. Months earlier, Pearl's father had been convicted of murder And Pearl felt it was time to come clean and help set her father free. Welcome to Southern Mysteries, exploring history and mysteries of the American South. I'm your host, Shannon Ballard. And this is the mystery of the poet murderess of Mississippi. Pearl Gunter was 14 years old when she married 23-year-old Marlon Drew in 1919. Pearl gave birth to their first child, Thomas, within less than nine months of marriage, leading folks to talk about town and suspect the couple had been pressured to marry because Pearl fell pregnant. Pearl was grief-stricken when baby Thomas died just weeks before his first birthday. At 15, Pearl Drew already felt trapped in marriage she'd lost the baby she loved and was married to a violent drunk it's believed marlon drew's battle with alcohol started after the first world war marlon had served his country and when he came home he was a changed man drink had always been a vice for him but when nightmares of what he had seen on the battlefield haunted him he turned to drink as an unhealthy way to help him black out and forget about the war. Marlon rarely remembered what happened in between the drinking and the blacking out, but Pearl remembered every moment. Marlon took his rage out on her, beating her so badly that Pearl feared he would kill her. By 1921, Pearl had given birth to her daughter Dorothy and the following year Pearl and Marlon Welcome their son, Marlon Jr. Seven years later, in 1929, Pearl and Marlon seemed to be at a crossroads in their marriage. They had been forced to move in with Pearl's parents, Mr. and Mrs. Thomas Granville Gunter in Ashland, Mississippi. Pearl was pregnant again, and Marlon Drew, who had worked as a railroad section hand for years, was out of a job, fired due to his drinking and anger issues. He had gotten into fights with coworkers and his boss so many times, his boss had to let him go. Once Marlon was out of work, his drinking got worse. Marlon and Pearl would often fight about Marlon's drinking, and there was another issue that caused constant tension for the couple. Marlon often stepped out with other women. When Pearl tried to bring it up, confront her husband about it, he threatened her and told her to mind her own business. Marlon also believed Pearl stepped out on him. He was convinced that the child Pearl was expecting in 1929 was not his. Pearl's parents stood by her, often intervening when Marlon got violent, and they continued to intervene until Marlon Drew's last day on Earth. On July 29th, 1929, Marlon Drew was shot and killed in the Gunters' home. Marlon was shot in the heart as he lay sleeping in his bed with his daughter, Dorothy, beside him. A pistol was found laying near the body. Authorities quickly evaluated the scene and determined Marlon Drew had gotten drunk, was out of his mind, and police ruled he had accidentally shot himself. The day after Marlon Drew died, Pearl and Marlon's oldest daughter, their seven-year-old Dorothy, was sent north to Tennessee to stay with family until things calmed down in Ashland. While there, the child mentioned to a family member that she was sleeping in her father's room the night he was shot, and she had seen her grandfather Her pop, Gunter, shoot her dad. The family called authorities who questioned Pearl Drew about this. Pearl said it was impossible. There was no way her father would have done such a thing. But when police told her they had talked to her daughter and she had named her grandfather as the killer, Pearl changed her story and told police her father had shot and killed Marlon Drew to protect Pearl and her kids. Police arrested 63-year-old Thomas Gunter, and he was quickly indicted for the murder of Marlon Drew with no physical evidence. Gunter's trial began in Benton County, Mississippi, on August 16, 1929, with Mr. Gunter pleading his innocence. His defense was that he, too, had a drinking problem and was out cold in another room in the house when Marlon Drew was shot and killed. The key witnesses against Mr. Gunter at trial were his daughter, Pearl, and his seven-year-old granddaughter, Dorothy. When Dorothy was called to testify, she placed her hand on the Bible to take an oath, to tell the truth, and nothing but the truth. When the judge asked her if she understood what a Bible was, she quickly turned and shook her little head, no. The child said she had seen one at a church she had gone to one time, and remembered people talking about God when they were holding it, which caused a little laughter in the courtroom. Once Dorothy was sworn in and started answering the prosecutor's questions, Gunter's defense team felt ill at ease. The little girl's testimony was clear and she was a confident witness who recounted details of the night her father had been shot and killed. When Pearl took the stand, she corroborated her daughter's testimony. The most powerful witness for the defense was Betty Gunter, Thomas's wife and Pearl's mother. Betty's testimony shocked the courtroom because she said she saw her daughter Pearl shoot and kill Marlon. And she hadn't spoken about it before because she was trying to protect Pearl. Betty told of arguments between Marlon and Pearl and said that when Marlon came home drunk again, tempers flared, Accusations of cheating were made, and Betty claimed Pearl shot Marlin in a fit of rage and was blaming her father for the crime to protect her children. Betty confirmed Thomas Gunter had a drinking problem and swore under oath that he was in another part of their house passed out from drinking when the shot was fired that killed Marlin Drew. Betty said she rushed into the room and saw Pearl holding a gun. Now, despite that testimony, the testimony from Pearl and her child Dorothy carried more weight with the jury, who returned a guilty verdict. Thomas Granville Gunter was sentenced to five years, hard labor in a Mississippi State prison. Pearl Drew had given birth to her fourth child within days of her husband's murder. She was weak, emotionally overwhelmed as she worked to care for her children on her own. Her husband was dead and her father was in prison for the murder. Pearl made the difficult decision to take her children to stay with family in Tennessee, but months later the case of the murder of Marlon Drew would be turned upside down by a letter and a poem written to the governor of Mississippi. In November 1929, Pearl Drew wrote a letter to then Mississippi Governor Theodore Bilbo. Her letter was a confession. She shot her husband in the heart as he slept on that fateful July night and begged the governor to set her father free. She included a poem in which she poured out her heart and spoke of her husband's final words, saying she took his gun pressed it against his chest and pulled the trigger. Her poem speaks to the moment she shot Marlin, and perhaps the words Pearl wished she had heard from Marlin as he lay dying. The time has come, my darling, when you and I must part. The bullet of that 45 has surely plunged my heart, but kiss our little children and tell them I am gone. Don't let them follow my footsteps, where I have led them wrong. And Pearl speaks of her shame and regret over her father's imprisonment. To prison went my father, all innocent of this crime. I could not long endure this. My father, doing time. Pearl Drew's complete letter and her poem of confession were printed in newspapers nationwide. And that confession led to sympathy for a woman who had been mistreated by her husband. Governor Bilbo was outraged over the embarrassment of the case making national news and ordered the judge who had presided over Thomas Gunter's trial to meet with Pearl Drew to consider her letter and whether her confession was real. Judge Thomas Pegram heard Pearl Drew's full statement in the presence of the district attorney, county attorney, And local sheriff pearl brought her daughter dorothy along so dorothy could confess she had lied on the stand because her mom told her to pearl confessed that she and marlon had argued the night he died he had once again accused her of being unfaithful and said the child she was expecting wasn't his their argument turned heated escalated and pearl shot and killed marlon because she said she was tired of being mistreated and beaten down. Pearl told the judge she had always planned to come clean, but she wanted to do it after she gave birth to her baby. She didn't want her child to be born in jail. Pearl was arrested in December, 1929. As she awaited a grand jury hearing, Governor Bilbo granted her father a 90 day suspension of sentence. Three young attorneys who were serving in the Mississippi House of Representatives heard Pearl's story and knew she didn't have the money for counsel. Considering her unique circumstances, they offered their services as her defense team, pro bono. While in jail, Pearl's mother brought her children to spend time in the cell with her. Pearl often agreed to interviews in her jail cell, and when a reporter asked her how she was coping, She explained that she allowed her mind to be consumed by poetry, which was helping her cope with the guilt of blaming her father for her crime. Most folks in Mississippi believed Pearl Drew would get out of jail very quickly. Pearl's jail cell told the story of the public being on the side of a woman who had shot and killed the man who abused her and threatened their children. That December, Pearl's jail cell was filled with Christmas cards and letters of support and with gifts for her children. Gifts folks continued to drop off to support Pearl and her family and ensure the children still had a Christmas as they waited and hoped for their mother to come home. On February 13, 1930, Pearl Drew was indicted for murder and perjury and released on her own recognizance, allowed to return to her children as she awaited trial. But there would be no trial. Pearl Drew agreed to plead guilty to manslaughter, telling the judge that her father had served three months in prison for her crime, and she was ready to do the time and pay for what she had done. On February 20th, the judge shocked the court when he ruled Pearl Drew was given a suspended sentence and set free from jail the judge told pearl to go home to her family in tennessee and care for her children leave the past in mississippi now folks in benton county mississippi assumed mr gunter would get his pardon after pearl confessed but on the very day pearl's sentence was suspended and she was released governor bilbo announced he would not pardon Thomas Gunter. He ordered Gunter to return to prison within three days when his 90-day suspension of sentence would expire. Bilbo said Gunter must serve the remainder of his five years for the murder of Marlon Drew. Governor Bilbo's order shocked folks in Mississippi and newspapers ran headlines calling foul asking why Bilbo could defend one husband who was dead and had beaten his wife, but was not willing to defend another woman's aged husband who was innocent of murder. Governor Bilbo made a public statement about his decision, saying, somebody ought to be in prison all the time for the murder of a sleeping man. If Judge Pegram does not believe Mrs. Drew is guilty enough to serve her term, then the man convicted of the murder will have to serve. Husbands ought to have some protection. Thomas Gunter was now 64 years old, an innocent man who had spent three months at a hard labor prison in the state of Mississippi. His time in prison had already taken quite a toll on his health and had aged him beyond his years. The idea of returning to prison caused him great distress. He was certain it would kill him. So it wasn't too surprising that on February 24th, newspapers featured headlines about a new twist in the case of the poet murderess of Mississippi, as Pearl had been labeled. Pearl Drew's father, Thomas Gunter, was missing. And so was Pearl. Now Judge Pegram had suggested Pearl leave Mississippi He assumed she would return to her children, who were with her mother, and the rest of their family in East Tennessee. But days after Pearl was freed from jail, Pearl's mother expressed concern that her daughter had not returned to her children. And there was more cause for concern because Mr. Gunter had vowed he wouldn't return to that prison in Mississippi. And there was no sign of Thomas at the prison on the day his 90-day suspension expired. Governor Bilbo announced Thomas Gunter was now an escaped convict wanted by the state of Mississippi. And the governor threatened that if he had to, he'd send men with shotguns to track down Gunter and bring him back to Mississippi. Rumors were flying that Gunter had fled to Oklahoma, but there were several reports of sightings of him in a few states, which caused confusion for authorities who were attempting to track Gunter down. As Governor Bilbo continued to vow Thomas Gunter would not be pardoned, a newspaper published a story about Betty Gunter, who was back in Tennessee with their four grandchildren at her knee, wanting to know when their mom and their grandfather would come home. Mrs. Gunter had no income and was struggling to care for her grandchildren Headlines shamed Governor Bilbo for the unnecessary damage he continued to cause the Gunters. Reports swirled in March 1930 that Thomas Gunter had been captured and would be returned to prison in Mississippi. But as days passed, it became clear those reports were not true. In fact, Thomas Gunter was never tracked down never returned to prison in Mississippi. Thomas and Betty Gunter stood by their daughter and defended her when she was married to Marlon Drew. Mr. Gunter often intervened to protect his daughter when fights between the couple got out of hand and Marlon threatened Pearl and their kids. Thomas continued to stand by Pearl even after the difficult situation they found themselves in when family members were testifying against one another in court during Thomas's murder trial. It's clear the Gunters knew Pearl felt trapped and in an impossible situation due to the abuse she had suffered at the hands of Marlon Drew. In January, 1930, when Pearl was in prison, awaiting her fate, Thomas Gunter and his wife visited their daughter, and they brought along Pearl's children including her oldest daughter, 8-year-old Dorothy, the child whose testimony against her grandfather had been so powerful, the jury convicted him of murdering his son-in-law. We know she had been coached by her mom to tell that lie. Despite those lies, Thomas and Betty Gunter were still caring for Pearl's children, still visiting her in jail, and we know that despite the pain Thomas endured, while he was wrongfully imprisoned, he forgave Pearl and Dorothy. A reporter was at the jailhouse on January 9th, 1930 to talk to Pearl. The next day, he recounted an exchange he witnessed between Thomas, Pearl, and Dorothy. The reporter had asked the little girl about what she had said in court when her grandfather was on trial. Little Dorothy paused for a moment bowed her head in shame and replied, I said just what mama told me to, I hope granddaddy forgives me. And for all we know, this may have been the first time the family addressed what happened and realized Dorothy felt guilt over her testimony because Thomas Gunter immediately reached for and hugged his granddaughter. He held her tight and said, forgive you, of course, We're pals, aren't we, my little girl? Dorothy just looked up at him, started laughing, shared a hug with her grandfather again, and went back to playing with her baby sister. We know very little about what happened to the Gunters and Pearl in the decades to come. After all, Thomas Gunter and Pearl Drew were off the grid for a while. In May 1939, an obituary for Thomas Gunter appeared in a Trenton, Tennessee newspaper, and it mentioned his longtime local pastor officiating his funeral. Seems Mr. Gunter had been in Tennessee all along. The obituary noted that Gunter left behind his wife, Betty, and his three daughters, including Mrs. Marjorie Kelly, or Pearl, as the family called her. Pearl had also returned to Tennessee. It appears the family had quietly reunited there in 1930, and within a few months, Pearl had met and married Jack Kelly. The couple moved away, relocated to Jack's hometown of New York City, where Pearl remained until her death in December 1986. She lived a rather quiet and unassuming life, with no one in the Big Apple, knowing of Pearl's past as the poet murderess of Mississippi. Southern Mysteries is created and hosted by me, Shannon Ballard. You can see photos from this episode and sources in the show notes at southernmysteries.com. This show is made possible thanks to the generous support of Patreon members, including our newest members, Christina from Charlotte, North Carolina, and Diana from Santa Cruz, California. So thankful for your support. And with the support of Christina and Diana and all of my Patreon members, I've been able to keep Southern Mysteries going and tell more stories in a very challenging year. I never take your support for granted. And as a thanks for membership, you get to hear bonus episodes called Southern Mysteries Shorts. You can join today and spend time hearing those new-to-you stories over the holidays at patreon.com slash southernmysteries. And if money's tight and you can't support the show financially, you can still give and help out by spreading the word about Southern Mysteries. Share this episode and tell your friends to check it out. And don't forget to hit subscribe where you're listening. So new episodes always appear in your feed. And to be clear, because some folks have asked about this, when you subscribe to a podcast, it's free. The button in your podcast player really should say follow because it's confusing to some people. But that's a decision from uh, from powers bigger than me. So for now, go ahead, tap that subscribe button to follow the show. Now we've almost made it to the end of the strangest year of our lives. The words of Tennyson feel appropriate hope smiles from the threshold of the year to come whispering it will be happier may that be true for you and for all of us as we turn the page and see what 2021 has in store happy new year my friend and thank you so much for listening